That intro kind of ends abruptly, doesn't it? Even with the numbers counting down. Anyway. It's not like you don't know it's not coming. I know, it's true. But I was listening to the audio as well, and it just kind of cuts a little short. But anyway, enough of our moaning. Uh, I should probably start and say hello. Welcome to a Burkamp Wonderland, uh, an Arsenal podcast. And tonight, Josh is your host. Uh, I, as Danny said, that I am now a big time Charlie. Uh, I was asked to um, introduce the Super Bowl, but unfortunately, um, they had to get their second choice of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh, I couldn't make it out to LA in time. Um, a ginger in that heat just doesn't last. You were uh, too busy fanboying the LA Rams. Well, that's why I was been there. But yeah, unfortunately, they said, do not go onto live TV with an erection. And I, that was just wasn't a promise I couldn't keep. Um, so unfortunately, here I am. And here to gloat in KSE glory. Um, Danny, you have to be here. Um, could you point to on the chart, which defined the Bristol stool chart, where your current outgoings are uh, listed? One that goes. <laughs> I had nearly a solid one today, but uh, it's the first time I've had a tummy bug. Five, seven days of uh, discomfort, and that's even taking painkillers because normally one sniff of a painkiller, and, and I don't go for a month. This one, I'm gobbling them down like M and M's, making no difference. <laughs> it's just like a kazoo orchestra when you go to the bathroom. <laughs> kazoo, um, you can. <laughs> oh, I don't know if we can say that. Anyway, um, someone else has got to put up with our nonsense. I've already been. Um, berating danny behind the scenes who the reason we're late listener is because the man who loves to be so anal about uh audio quality had an echo and carl was it it wasn't you was it that had the such an unprofessional start to the podcast i think unprofessional is the word because you know he's been doing this for so long and as the years have gone on he's just gotten worse and worse i mean his standards have slipped from here, cables <laughs> to Wi-Fi to bad audio sound. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, if this was a transfer window, we'd have to abamyang him and just let him go for free. <laughs> He'll be on a uh, Gary Lineker Wonderland or uh, whatever Barcelona's one's called. What's the, who's their best player? They haven't got one, have they? It's going to be Gary Lineker, someone like that. <laughs> Um, the Steve Archibald one. <laughs> There's one for the dads if you're listening. Oh, uh, I mean, Gary Lineker's probably one for the dads as well now, seeing as he wasn't around when I was born. Um, but that's enough of how old I am. Uh, Carl, how old are you? How, not how old are you? How are you? Uh, Some ID, Carl. We need to... <laughs> yeah. 38 and not too bad. Uh, nice. Do you have a good sense of I remember of you when, when you were worried about being 30, Carl. And now look at you, you're nearly 40. He's worried about that now. Have I known you that long, Danny? Jesus Christ. I think on Twitter, yeah, at least that long. Yeah, I remember when I turned 30. It wasn't a good time. Like, and now I'm <laughs> two years away from being 40. Still not a good time, but you know, like, <laughs> we we move. No, I, I know, can't complain. Life is not too bad at the moment. Um, at least I'm not having to pay off 12 million to people that I don't know, that I've never met before, allegedly. So, you when, know, when um, does that happen? When does that fall our way? Because I've never sweated in a Pizza Express either. Do I have to pay for someone £12 million that I don't know? No, especially if like the pictures are uh, photoshopped, but you don't have to pay £12 million because you've never met them. Remember that. Allegedly, mm. you've never seen them before, ever. 
but yeah. and I've never knowingly done anything that would maybe cause to sweat. <laughs> <laughs> I just sit here and perambulate all day long. <laughs> I don't know, Danny. I've seen you look at uh, a, a bowl of tuna and uh, cream of mushroom Mayo soup and, all, uh, yeah. all rolled up. There you go. There you go, people who are watching live. It is exactly what he's got there. A Tupperware, I should say, probably overflowing to start with, with tuna and was it cream of mushroom soup? Tonight, no, it's salad cream. Just salad cream. And there I had those with rolls, two tins and, of tuna. And you wonder why he can shit through the eye of a needle right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was nice um, to see some uh, some people have joined us live you know we are only we were only 10 15 minutes late and there were probably other shows going live at eight o'clock which would have tickled your fancy instead so yep. if you've joined us from instead joining probably the hybrid squad or probably when i don't know who they are um harry's probably gone live right now tom's probably gone live but you've joined us instead um you prefer my tone instead of others um but who was it that wound me up about uh the rams uh paul nails there he said good evening uh yeah did wolves give me permission to celebrate the rams win well <laughs> let's put it this way paul irrespective of the wolves result i'd have been a smug little bastard it was what a rubbish game apart from the beginning i bet you were jumping up and down what are you four you're 13 13 three out or 13 nil up for a while do you, want to, do you want to know the actual spoilers? Well, I went to I went to bed at nine. <laughs> I didn't so, watch the game. I didn't watch it. I, I woke up in the morning and just turned on YouTube and watched the 15-minute highlights. Saw the Rams won, got on Twitter, was well smug. Oh, so you didn't even bother watching your, the mighty, your beloved and LA you Rams. you yourself a fan. Ridiculous, isn't it, Carl? I mean, it's, it, it's their fault for being so far away from me. Uh, I watched a little bit of it, but like Josh, I fell asleep because all the razzmatazz and nonsense uh, that goes along with it, I can't bother it. Like, imagine, oh, I just can't do it. Like, it's just nonsense and it's halftime show. What the fuck? Could you imagine, like, there was a halftime show in, in the UK? Like, you've got some, I don't know. It made the Like, imagine take that. What? Imagine take that coming out like, and singing yeah. some songs in the FA Cup. God, no. No I mean, we can't have cheerleaders anymore. Cheerleaders are now now gone. We've got to have some halftime entertainment. I mean, we Instead could. Instead of that queuing well, we for just... a pint, what, an eight-pound pint and a ten a hot dog? I'd like to see Eight pounds? Uh, have you been to Wembley? Uh, sure, <laughs> Try yeah. about 12 pounds. Jesus <laughs> Christ. I would, yeah. But yeah, anyway, but should we... Should, should yeah, we, we should probably awesome. talk about the Wolves game. Sorry. Um, I got distracted. Um, yeah. Uh, where should we start, Carl, on the Wolves game? Should we talk about the um, interesting first part of the uh, first half, the interesting part of the second half, or the bit where we were balls to the wall for, or back to the wall for the rest of the game after Michael Oliver, who I should say is probably particularly sad now that his boyhood team has been taken over by a country, so he'll never referee a big game for the rest of his life because Newcastle will be Champions League final, FA Cup final, treble winning every season. He knows he might as well just go to League Two. Do you know, talking to Newcastle, Stan, the man, his dad, his granddad won an FA Cup and league titles with Newcastle United. Oh, congratulations to your grandfather, Stan, the man. Um, Pass that on, Stan. 
Yeah, if you could. Um, <laughs> He's at 140 at the moment. Is he? Oh, um, Stan, if you know Derek Akora, could you pass my message on? <laughs> oh, Sam, Sam. Oh, hello, Sam. Oh, ah. <laughs> That's one for the James Well listeners there. <laughs> um, the Wolves game. Um, we'll, we'll gloss over it. It was an interesting game, to say the least, I think. Um, going into the game, I think there was quite a lot of pressure on Arsenal, I, I believe, because if Wolves had won, they would have gone above us. And I think that happening would have just demoralised the, the already um, the atmosphere within the dressing room. I think, you know, the last result against Burnley wasn't the best. Or of course it wasn't. It's a game that we should have won. And having such a, I mean, having such a long period between games is good and bad at the same time. It's like having an international break. You know, if you win after, if you win just before an international break, it's great because you're going, uh, all the fans are happy and everyone remembers a good result. But if you have a bad result, that's all that's playing on people's minds. And I think the bad result that we had, well, you know, drawing against Burnley at home was not the best. Of course not. And I think that was playing on a lot of people's minds. Um, the team that we put out was, I think, as strong as we probably could have put out. Um, and it's probably going to be the team barring Tommy Asu, that's going to be the team that you see for the rest of the season, I guess, barring any injuries. Um, or suspensions, so. we should probably mention as well. Yeah, you're, Josh, you're not wrong there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, or suspensions, definitely. Um, but yeah, I think that's the team that you, you're probably going to see for the rest of the season. And um, the game kind of ebbed and flowed a little bit. When Wolves aren't a bad side, they, they've got some really good players and I think the new manager's time to get into jail. I mean, they're up to what? Seventh in the table, I want to say? Seventh, eighth? Something along them lines. They're doing so, very well. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't, they're quite a, a, a good squad, um, good side. Um, should we talk about the, the goal and then the... Yeah, I think we talk about the goal because there's some controversy there, isn't there? Depending on which side of the fence you sit. Uh, Danny did... Uh... Did Lacazette foul, foul the goalkeeper? Which was this for? For our goal? Yeah, yeah there was actually, only one goal in the game. There was. Uh, yeah, we do. Yeah. No, I thought you meant... I was, when you said Lacazette, I automatically yeah. think of that where he's, he's running an empty goal and uh, misses. Oh, no. Yeah, look, um, look, I actually remember that bit. And he almost steps back on top of the goalkeeper and then decides mm. to do squats. He decides to try and teabag the goalkeeper. <laughs> Um, was it a foul? I, I don't think the goalkeeper could have really saved the ball from that position. So I'd say that it was probably was a foul on the goalkeeper. But there again, with the rules of um, refereeing being in flux at the moment, that was both a red card and a penalty and a sending off. And uh, and it was also offside and handball. And all of those things all mixed into one. It was, uh, if I'd have been an Arsenal fan, I'd have gone, but he's sitting on our goalkeeper referee. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? But that, there's a point that you made there, the gap between the game that was our first win this year that's mm. how long i've known shorter pre-seasons than what we've had since our last game <laughs> that's how long it has been i mean we know it's it's middle of february now which is almost march we're virtually in spring which is nearly summer so we went from christmas until summer without playing a game that's best part of six to eight months and uh, it didn't really show but what carl was saying about um Wolves doing pretty well. Do you know they're the third lowest goal scorers in the Premier League? They've only scored 21 in 23. Uh, it doesn't surprise me. I think their defensive record's quite good. I'm sure you can tell me right now that it's absolutely appalling. But I'm no, pretty 21. sure what they're oh, doing. They're, yeah, they're, conceded not, conceding. they're not conceding 17. many goals. 
Yeah, they're very, Which is the very second frugal. Best. Yeah, very frugal team. Um, and I think that's the big thing that, you know, we kind of saw from Arteta when he initially came in, you know, where we could, we started getting clean sheets and then just couldn't score. I think Wolves are in that current um, dilemma right now, but who it's going to be tough when they come back to us, Josh, because they're going to they're be they're going to be right up for it. They're going to have some old fat old bastard banging on the window, shouting at all of our fans. Come on, you fuckers! I'll have all here with me walking stick <laughs> and your bloody pension book. That was hilarious. It's like going to the zoo and seeing some angry gorilla locked up there, some brummy gorilla. I mean, he must have been about sixty, poor old fucker. But oh the return game is going to be in. Um, a couple of weeks, isn't it? It was 14 days from when we played the game. Um, so that must mean it's what? Yes, a week tomorrow. A week tomorrow. There we go. Um, yes, on Thursday, but, next Thursday. Yeah. Um, so I think you know, there's a question. If we win that game, are we going to celebrate like we won the league again, Carl? Or um, <laughs> do you think we'll be a bit more well, rooted in our celebrations? Is, no, we need to... <laughs> I heard this on... Um, <laughs> On kind of um, ask blog, it made me laugh. Um, we need to play cool of the gang, celebrate um, over the tunnel if we win. Like that would be the ultimate. Like just we need to we need to go all out. Like Stanley to get party streamers, fireworks, fucking the whole nine yards. Like I'm sure we've got some. KSC will have some leftover Rams Super Bowl champions T-shirts to get course. handed out. We'll get we'll get them fly them over. You know, just after they've seen Biden in the White House, they can fly straight over to the Emirates. We'll give them a guard of honor as they come out. I'm sure that will annoy everybody, uh, no doubt. Let's get the LA Rams, give them a big old uh, guard of honor as they come out, and yeah, we celebrate winning the Super Bowl with them after the, and then, the game. Then Kronke oh, can can lead the conga around the stadium. Oh, be excellent. The problem is Arsenal conga. Arsenal are too classy. Like they're not going to do anything like that. But they should. They should really rub it in their faces. But you know, it's, it's the you know it's the Arsenal way. The gentlemen, the gentlemanly club. So you know, we're not going to do anything like that, sadly. But I would love to actually rub it in their face. Because did you see Wolves' um, Twitter account after they beat? Uh, was it United they beat? I think so. Was it? Yeah, I, I think, think they, they might. Yeah, though. they beat United and they were no Tottenham. What, what, they beat um, Spurs, didn't they? That's it. They was it three two? Yeah, they beat Spurs um, at the toilet bowl. Oh, and, what, two um, Yeah, two, two nil. last week. Go ahead, and um, they tweeted something that's um, celebrating the right way. Like, shut <laughs> up, idiots! Like, that's cool because that's the only win in North London they're going to get this season. I assure you. But um, yeah, no. <clears throat> We should definitely rub it in their faces. And to answer your question as well, Josh, no, it wasn't a foul. Um, and I'm not saying this from an Arsenal perspective. I'm saying this from a football perspective. I don't think it was a foul. Uh, in the slightest, the goalkeeper tried to cut for the ball. Um, he missed it. That's 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 his issue. Um, but for me, no, not a foul at all. It was good play by Arsenal. Uh, goalkeeper, bad play. And we capitalised on it. And it's something that you don't really see Arsenal doing. You don't really see um, Arsenal kind of popping up like that. And, you know, I'm glad that Gabriel was there to get the boot in and and stick it into the back of the net. You know, it just goes to show determination of, you know, wanting to stay up front and, and get a goal for Arsenal. Yeah, definitely. It was kind of one of those scrappy ones that... 
we need every so so often and especially when we have a, a well-documented um, goal-scoring crisis with our strikers, it's nice to see us picking up goals from the other side of the pitch. Um, the game kind of was comfortable um, for the rest of it. There weren't too many scares. I think we played the game pretty well until Michael Oliver had other um, ideas. And in the um, 69th minute, well, actually, I'm going to ask the chat box something first um if you think we should talk about um the michael oliver incident incident that happened in the 69th minute with martinelli just drop a like in the box and um let us know in the chat box if you talk about Carl. it he's picking up stuff from hybrid squad that we don't even oh, think yeah. of doing thanks know, so right? thanks for yeah, that so training him we'll have that <laughs> we'll have that to be fair i'm only doing it to 25 people not the 250 we get on hybrid squad but however no, rich oh um Carl, I've been wounded. He's done as dirty. I think I've cut myself up there as well, to be fair. Look what happens when I headline a show. It's plummeted. Because they knew I'd host it. Hey, hosting it. What can I say? That's basically headline, all right? Um, But I would say, um, yeah, if you haven't dropped a like, I don't care. If you've dropped a dislike, drop a dislike. It's good. It's good for me. It's good for my ego. It keeps me in check. Um, But yeah. Carl, um, Michael Oliver taking um, the rule book into his own hands, shall we say, um, the Martinelli incident. Talk us through it and then talk us through your anger in the most eloquent and cutting way possible. Okay, so I'm sure everyone has seen it. Um, Martinelli has the ball right on the edge of the touchline and uh, honestly, he doesn't get fouled. Like, I... I I watched it again recently and I, I think he just loses the ball, but he gets annoyed because he thinks he gets kicked. So maybe he does get kicked ever so slightly. The Wolves player tries to take a throw in and Martinelli pushes him because he's frustrated. That's number one wrong of Martinelli. Um, Markelova plays on because he thinks that a foul. And for me, and, I, and I, we, we spoke about this in our group as well, like, if he thinks that's a foul, he's got to bring it back straight away because I don't understand how you can have advantage in your own half when there's, I don't know, four defenders behind. Because it was, there was the whole back line. So the advantage, I don't really see. But anyway, we move. Um, Martinelli, as he does, he, you know, he he's that sort of person. He will hunt down... Um, players because that's what he does and in his frustration he pushes a player in the back so is it two fouls by Martinelli yeah it is no, I'm, I'm no Arsenal fan can say it's not because it is um, why Michael Oliver decides to book him for the two fouls I, I, I have no idea because any decent referee one would have pulled it back in the first instance with a throw in and would have pulled it back and said what are you doing you donut Here's the booking. Don't do that again. Calm down. And Martinelli probably would have popped off and said, I was fouled. Michael Oliver would have said, no, you wasn't. He would have been done. But Martinelli loses his head. He does. 100%. And no one can say he doesn't. He loses his head. But for some unknown reason, Michael Oliver decides to book him twice for one foul when he pushed the, the Wolves player when he's taking the throw on. And one way, he pushed him in the back and send him off. Now, 
I always say I don't understand why referees should be referees should be anonymous. We shouldn't know referees' names. Like, and I don't like, we know every single referee's name. Referees should be autonomous. They should turn up to a game, do what they need to do, and go. But every referee seems to want to make a, a headline. Every referee seems to want to have something spoken about them. Like, and Michael Over, for some unknown reason, books him twice. And I think every single player, including the Wolves players, are probably like, what the hell has just happened here? And everyone is talking about, oh, the letter of the law, it's two yellow cards. Don't think, I'm sure a yellow card is technically meant to be a warning, technically meant to be, listen, don't be careful what you're doing. Don't foul again, because otherwise I will have to give you another one and send you off. That should be the talking to that he should get from the referee, but he doesn't. Referee sort of loses his head and just booking. I will say not every foul is a caution. Otherwise, we would be doing one versus one um, on a football pitch. Everyone would get sent off. But it's just, I just feel like the referee lost his head for a second. Mm. And I feel like he, he almost wanted to make a headline for himself. Because, and I think, I really don't like saying this because I'm sick. I'm kind of sick of, say, of saying this. And probably you as well, Josh, and you as well, Danny. If this wasn't Arsenal, that wouldn't happen. How many times have you seen a player foul twice in quick succession and nothing happens to them? Absolutely mm. nothing. But because it's Arsenal, it seems like we have a target on our backs. And, you know, every team can probably say, oh, you know, referees don't like us or referee picks on us or, you know, we never get the rub of the green from referees. A lot of teams throughout the whole Premier League could probably say that. But for me, it's just... It's almost getting a bit obvious now how bad it is with Arsenal. Yeah. And I'm very glad that, well, depending on how true it is, when Arteta said that we need answers now from the PGMOL to find out what is going on. Because it's getting ridiculous. It's getting to the point now where your Arsenal players must be scared to make a challenge because yeah. they're thinking, shit, if I make a challenge and I miss time in... No one intentionally goes out to foul. Not one. There's not one player in the Arsenal team, even Granit Xhaka. I don't think he intentionally goes out to hurt or injure someone. But he's gonna. There's gonna be a time where he's gonna miss time a ball. He's gonna not. He's gonna maybe kick a player. Or he's gonna foul a player. That's just the nature of the beast. Every game has over twenty thousand in it, and I think that now it's almost like Arsenal are known now as this reputable team where. You know, they're a dirty team, so we've got mm. to stamp out and give them red cards. And it shouldn't be like that. Like it really shouldn't happen. And something's mm. got to happen with um, the PGMOL because Arteta and Arsenal need to sit them down and explain. And sorry, just one more point, Josh. And I'm sorry, I've mm. kind of gone Chris Carpenter. <laughs> Re- referees never explain themselves. Why doesn't the referee ever have mm. to come out and say why they made a decision? If a referee does something like that, they should have to write a report. Why is that report not public? It's mm. not. It's not. Um, it's not hidden what they've done because they, he's already sent off the player. But he should have to write a report to say my rationale for sending off this player was, and then explain it. But everything's cloak and dagger, and that's what kind of pisses me off. And I'm really sorry for Chris Carpenter in that. That's fine. Um, I'm sure your soapbox is, uh, yeah, needed a good dust off 
for that. And meanwhile, Danny was interrupted by the Misterons, I think, uh, midway through. I, forgot. I didn't have our YouTube up, so as soon as I got it up, of course, being YouTube, an advert come up straight away. Josh, oh. um, something I was thinking about, with the, if you play back the Martinelli thing in your head, do you think mm. a big part of it was the fact that he loves to get back and defend and he yeah. wanted to quickly get up and get back? And that they, he saw them taking a quick throw and he panicked when mm. he shoved him to stop him doing it. I think he shoved him because he was trying to just knock the ball away, slow play down so he, mm. the team could get back into position. Uh, I mean, he hits Podence towards the face. I think my issue with it is the ball isn't in play at that point. So I don't know how you can play advantage when the ball isn't in play um, because the throw is still mid-throw when the foul's committed. Um, so, yeah, there's a couple of issues there. And then there's, uh, obviously, how harsh do you think the foul on... Um, oh, what's the player's name? Uh, I called in the Portuguese Fiat 500 because it was something like Cinque Quento, but... Um, I couldn't exactly remember, but there was uh, coming togethers with him after he came on. He looked like a really bright player for them, by the way. Chinquino. Um, there you go. Um, yeah, something. Yeah, he looked really promising, and you could see he moved his body about as well in the same kind of style as Martinelli does. And there were many incidents, especially where he put things into the back of Gabriel. That was a yellow card for Martinelli only twenty minutes ago that then suddenly was just a, just a foul. So I think it's, yeah, it is that consistency even within games that doesn't necessarily seem to be there. I think as um, Carl mentioned, as Arteta mentioned about the will of Michael Oliver for wanting to send a player off, I think it was a bit of a, um, yeah, I think the referee was looking for that thing, it was a bit like he was just kind of annoyed that Martinelli didn't take his instructions. And because we don't know what the referee shouted at Martinelli while the incident was going on, just like even he just needs to say, Is that right? I'm going to book you for that whilst the play is going on, is enough for Martinelli to think about the challenge he's going to put in rather than being as cynical as he was. He probably goes to try and play the ball a little bit more than he actually does rather than just go, Fuck it, shut him down. Get the uh, get the yellow card and walk on, but as you say, we can probably go another sixteen years watching the game, as Arteta said, and not see another incident like that. I mean, when I've never last... seen it, and I've been yeah. watching football since the the, the, the mid eighties. Yeah, uh, but I'd like it's... to say to the the PGMOL people, go look at the attack on on Saka when we we're playing Palace, mm. and look at the attack on Tommy Ashu in the face. Neither of those two got anything. They should have both mm. been straight reds. And you give him a double yellow in quick succession without mm. giving him time to redeem himself, like the um, someone else said earlier in the chat. That it's normally yellow card. Behave yourself. Do it again. You're in trouble. And it's ne- I've never seen anything like it. And he couldn't give a shit. None of them could give an absolute shit. I mean, like, even when the Crystal Palace Liverpool, where the, um, Jota lost the ball and then went, oh, did the leaning tower of Pisa mm. on top of the, their goalkeeper and got a penalty for it. <laughs> I mean, Crystal Palace fans must be thinking, well, how the hell is that fair? It just happens all the time. Yeah, I think... Sorry, I was going to say, the one that gets me, even from last night, if anybody watched... um, Dunk. Actually, no one... Yeah, Dunk's one. Have you seen, for that incident, Man United have now been charged for failing to control their players, who obviously helped upgrade that from a yellow card to a red them getting charged doesn't help the fact that Brighton were robbed of three points or maybe one point at that point because I know they're 1-0 yeah, down. They're right. They were 1-0 down. Shit. 
yeah, Man U were one 0 up at the time when Doug mm. sent off. There's certainly that kind of thing. It was like because I remember when we got Arsenal got charged for um, failing to control our players as well. You think there's even that is inconsistent for when they decide to say that we're not um, we're not controlling our players enough, or you know they're not stamping down on that. Um, and that's not the first time yeah. that happens. That it happened. Uh, we did Man United play last at home um, before before Brighton. Yeah. Uh, Drew, say Drew, Burnley? Didn't Southampton. Southampton, 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 and then Burnley before and, that, both one one. Yeah, and South they did it around again to um, the referee at Southampton. Like they crowded the player when um, I think Ronaldo was up blatantly offside, but nothing happened that game. And we're, we're human beings. No human beings are always consistent, and I get that. You know, human error. Uh, to error is human, as they say. But for me, it's really the, the refereeing in, in, in the UK is poor in mm. England. I've done about Scotland, that Sunday League team. But um, the, yeah, the refereeing is, is really bad in England, not terrible. And my only issue, and Josh, maybe you can answer this because you're like the smartest person here. Um, me second, sorry, Danny. Um, <laughs> so. Arsenal, you own, let's say you own Arsenal, you're a billionaire, you own Arsenal, or, you know, you you work for Arsenal and you're Vinay, and you see all these things going against you. Mm. Because it is, you know, every like I said, every single team can say that the referee is against them, but with Arsenal, it's a bit more blatant. Would you go to the PGMO or the FA and say, can we, or the Premier League, I should say, and say, can we have a word of why this seems to happen. I come up with a dossier. Not, listen, we all can, we just named how many incidents um, that went against Arsenal, the Saka one, the Tommy Asu one. Um, do you remember last, was it last season when against Crystal, no, season before against Crystal Palace when mm-hmm. Callum Chambers scored at the last minute but all of a sudden they said it was a foul on the Crystal, uh, Callum Chambers foul the Crystal Palace player when we can get, you know, there's so many opportunities where we could go to mm-hmm. them and say all these and it's gone against us. Can you explain them? Like, sure. And but does that seem as like a bit of oh, you're just crying now? You just I no. I'd say I think we do that. The problem is, is we're not allowed to publicly say that because otherwise, that's what ends up you getting fined. Remember the uh, viral Jose Mourinho clip of where he says that if I speak, I'll get in trouble. Get in tr- yeah, and it's the same for I think you know Arteta's still trying to beat around the bush. Because he's not allowed to explicitly say, what happened to Arsene Wenger when he rightly called Anthony Taylor, I don't support Man United despite growing up one mile from the stadium in Manchester. I support non-league Altrincham, uh, a corrupt official. It was uproar. He got banned. For, he got touchline banned, was thrown out of the stadium. It was all sorts of nonsense resulted in him telling his feelings is a kind of the referees being protected in that regard. And I think they should be protected in a certain degree because we see it, you know, with MPs that if you um, manipulate and um, push anger towards certain people, that those people can end up getting into a situation where they are then unsafe because somebody 
who is riled up gets so riled up they then take matters into their own hands and there can be fateful consequences at that point so i get how there's a level of protection the referees need to have but there certainly needs to be less of a muzzle put on uh, people within the game the only people a that seem to be transparency yeah the the only people that seem to be able to criticize the referees are those who are not involved in the game so i'm talking about pundits the media yeah the media the only people that can criticize the referee arguably is whichever arsenal pundit fancies doing it but also knows they probably will bump into said referee in the off, on the after dinner circuit in about 10 years time so I think that's the that's the problem. And so I think whatever Arsenal will be doing to put pressure on PGML and the required people, we will never see that as a fan base because that will be the kind of stuff they won't publicise because the referee associations will find them if they do that. So so Danny, what's the answer? What 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 do we do? Like you know, we, we can't carry on getting these red cards and these silly calls and Arteta and Arsenal can't criticise the referees for fear of reprisal or retribution. So what is the answer? Well, it's a bit of a is long-winded an one. There is an answer. You get all the referees in the world and they all, UEFA, organise the referees and then uh, the, the referees, the better you do, then the higher rank in the rating you get as a referee. And then all the games are rated, like Arsenal Spurs will be top, AC Milan, Inter Milan is top, and like that. And then the better the referee you are, the more correct decisions you make, the higher up graded you get, and the more good games you get, including UEFA Cup Finals, Europa League Cup Finals, and international games and World Cup Finals. Give the referees some encouragement to be um, to do their job properly. And then this pool of referees from the whole of Europe referee games in the whole of Europe and then we're going to get referees imagine imagine having Pierre Luigi Colina imagine having him as a referee you're immediately going to go well he's a decent referee or and, and then you'd get more um more diversity I mean I hate that word but you would you'd get more diversity it wouldn't just be northern fat balding white men would it, it you're going to get different referees from all over the world and and, and it's going to help I, I hear you but can I play devil's advocate like that means of course you can Every referee would have to speak almost every European language, wouldn't it? Like, and they're getting like they, um, they have to. For, they have to for European football. If they're a UEFA licensed referee and they play in the Champions League, they have to have a common language. So I thought it was English. I thought when yeah. they play, it was English. Yeah, it was. Um, they can speak English or I think it's Spanish. Are there two options? Oh, okay. In there, um, it's a bit yeah, Richard like. Said, yeah. Who's going to mark the refs? Is it is it doable? Well, I mean, in theory, who, that's meant to be Mike oh, Riley. It's Mike Riley who's meant to mark the refs. But I mean, obviously, take, I mean, with my idea, because you'd have to. I, I, my point is, take the refereeing. The PGML would be dissolved, and you wouldn't have that. You'd have UEFA. Would I mean UEFA was corrupt as hell anyway? But my my whole point is to stop having Northern powerhouse man running English football. I mean, even like um. Neville came out or someone put the quote on Twitter again when Neville said we knew how to uh, manipulate the referees to get favourable decisions and even now they laugh at about game 50 because mm -hmm. they were kicking our players all over the place and so having people I mean most people you get an English referee going over to to um, referee AC Milan Inter Milan 
they're not really going to give a shit, are they? They're going to go, well, I'm just going to ref this game properly. But when you're when you, you're born a mile from the stadium and it's Man United at home against Arsenal, you're going to be going, well, maybe I'll be a little bit favourable towards the team I support that I deny that I do. <laughs> yeah. But something has to be done. But that isn't, didn't someone say, Jeff, Jeff, ref, no, Josh, that's it. The, the referees, it's not, the, it's not VAR, it's the interpretation of the VAR which is causing the problem. So maybe take it out of these people's hands. But something needs to be done because they're ruining the game. I mean, I'd get rid of VAR completely because the whole the okay. football is a game of instant reactions. Your team scores, you celebrate. Now you score and you go, I'm not going to celebrate. I don't want to look like a twat. I mean, what's it like going to games, Josh? Uh, when, you're, when your mm. team's kind of bright, don't score that much. But when they do, do, do many people go, oh, do I make, make myself look like a Wally or do I get on my only, only as much as you would if you thought you thought saw the player was offside anyway. Yeah. It's that kind of level of reaction that even naturally, if you see an offside goal go in, even when there wasn't far, you'd celebrate. You might be a bit kind of muted in your celebration. I think for Well, now me, you've got the delayed offside thing as well, haven't you? Where you could be playing yeah. for an hour before they wave it back. I think... I would say VAR isn't the problem. It's very convenient that the referees have managed to blame a technology of unbiased, unfaultable technology being the problem rather than the operators. Isn't it the, uh, it's the old adage, you know, a bad workman blames his tools. The hammer's I mean, not the problem. Some... It's the problem is the guy that's holding the hammer is smashing it against his head. That's the issue. <laughs> How many times have we seen something go to VAR at Old Trafford and it, it's done instantly? Two seconds, there you go, job done, goal. And then we see mm. stuff against us. And you know, 90%, 99% of the time, when the referee goes to have a look at the, the tiny little monitor that they've got, whether it's a red card, you know that he's he's not seen it. And then if the VAR have told him, go and have a look at that, which means give the penalty. My, I think only um, twice it's not happened. Yeah, I'd say in the kind of snobbishness of being Arsenal fans is we are a big game. An Arsenal game is a big game. So I would like, I imagine they give us more scrutiny than they would for a mid table clash or a bottom of the league clash, is because we're Arsenal, there's more eyes on it. They want to make sure they get it right. Uh, not necessarily just more eyeballs in the stadium, but more eyeballs worldwide. I'd say people are tuning in for more people are tuning in for Arsenal Wolves than they will be for Burnley versus Wolves, as an example. So they are going to referee them with them. Um, yeah, rugby is the option. Is you mic up the refs, they explain their decisions, but I think a rugby crowd is very different to a football crowd. We've seen the issues we've seen right now in uh, the issues we've got with football, with antisocial behaviour. That's going to that be a problem. Is, that's that a is a problem. Point of it, isn't it? Someone yeah. ran on and attacked a player, back, smacked him in the back of the head. But yes. this is getting worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got to be something more than just the poor quality of cocaine that's coming into the country after <laughs> Brexit. Um, there's got to be more to it than just a general antisocial issue. Um, that's the circle you move in. You worried about it, Carl. I mean, I, talk, I know we're slightly moving off topic, hmm. but the number of times... We've got to the point where hardly anybody would run on the pitch. And now you're seeing people run on the pitch regularly and one attacked a player in England. I mean, a lot of other countries, the police have guns. You, you get on there, you're going to get shot if you start attacking people. But with the mental health state of this country where everybody is still suffering from long lockdown, there's a version of long COVID, where people are just, people are angry. I've even had to say to the offspring, 
stop being, I was going to say the C word, stop um, mugging people off in the car, stop cutting people up, stop being all mouthy, let people go. Because everyone, I mean, you must see it at your work, Carl, so many more, so much more violence and so many more people are on the edge. And now that's spinning over onto the pitch. And how, how do you know if that person would have a shank or something? I mean, I've been watching Oz, so he might have had a weapon. Do you know what? It's, self, it's, it's self-entitlement of people, you know, and, and, and not to get political and we're going to move on, but it starts from the top. Mm. If your prime minister can get away with breaking his own rules, then everybody thinks, well, why do I need to follow the rules if that person doesn't do it? Like, if my, if my leader doesn't follow the rules, then why should I? Why, why, why should I? If he was an authoritarian and you follow the rules, people would be a little bit more inclined to maybe, you know, think differently. And I'm not saying that it's all his fault, but the man's an idiot, but I'm not saying all his fault, but he does start from the top and it trickles down. This is what happens. So it, it, it's just it's just nonsense. Like, it, it really is. And you're right, Danny. One time someone's going to, I mean, just the, the um, pitch invasion as well. Social media is not helping as well. Mm. Like, people run onto the pitch to try and get a shirt, like, people filming themselves running onto a pitch and they know that the consequences are not that high or you've been banned for three games. What's that? If you run onto the pitch, lifetime ban, no matter what, lifetime ban, that's it. That's, that is the deterrent. Not a, not a one-year ban or a three-game ban. It should be you run onto that pitch. That's it. You are arrested for trespassing because you're not supposed to be there and you now have a lifetime ban from going to that stadium. I mean... I'll be honest with you, I know people with lifetime bans or stadium bans and still mm. manage to get into stadiums because it's not that hard. Mm. You get a ticket in someone else's name, you enter it, no one's going to pick up you and say, oh, you're not supposed to be here, you got to go. So, mm. you know, ban, football bans mean nothing at all. Um, so it is what it is. But that's what it is. It's the self-entitlement of people and the no fear of any um, repercussion because, mm. let's face it, nothing happens yeah. So, yeah, that's right. Uh, thank you, listener, if you managed to stick with us through our uh, weekly 20-minute rant on the referees. Um, and we'll continue with going through the Wolves game. Uh, I think the only thing to talk about after the Martinelli incident is the substitutions that came afterwards. Um, I, for one, with my little uh, Arteta flag, would say there were some excellent substitutions that I think came afterwards. Um, Danny... Let's talk about us about the man who should have a hairline similar to you and I, but um, went to go and see a man with a dog and came back with a full head of hair um, over the last <laughs> summer. Um, Big Bob Holding, what a performance from him! It was um, that just shows why he he stayed at the club. He he gives he gives that kind of performance every chance that he is given. We saw that he hadn't played for ages. And then I think with one of the, I think Gabriel was suspended and he came straight in and he played brilliantly. And he's a, he's a lead, He's one of the most loudest and uh, best leaders on the pitch as well. But I do think that long-term his, his future isn't going to be at Arsenal, but if he wants to stay, I mean, he came from Bolton and, uh, he does really, he does really good stuff, and he knows his job. And having that new hairline has given him full of confidence. He, he's roller skating and everything now that he's full of confidence, and it is a fantastic display. And well done, Mikel Arteta, for doing that because so many people will be so quick to slag off everything else, and all the other stuff that happened on that game has been has been as overshadowed. First of all, a magnificent bit of defense. 
bit of defending from Big Bob and also a brilliant bit of tactical display from Arteta, especially when people are going, we can't defend. We, we're terrible at defending. Arteta's tactics are terrible. Not enough has been made about the fact that that was a really good thing to do, and it worked. And the, the bombardment we took was much like Coventry during World War Two. Uh, it was it was about half an hour of non-stop. At one point, we we only had twenty two percent possession. Yeah, and half of that was just headers from row holding. I think, uh, but yeah. I think absolutely Amazing. superb. Carl, I think the question I'd ask is: Rob Holding is twenty six. Would you be so quick to move him on if he was in his thirties, or do you think that um, you know because he's still young and he's got that perceived sell on value? Would you look to try and move him on or would you think if he was kind of 30 you think he's coming towards the end of his career we want that kind of solid player who can come in a bit like Per was towards the end of his career what do you think of Rob Holding what on the, from an Arsenal perspective yeah from an Arsenal perspective um, the problem there's two things with Rob Holding one he's English and that is something that I think is going to play into Arteta's hands when thinking about selling him because we need definitely to up our English contingent. Um, definitely. But at the same time, I'm wanting to move him on because Saliba, I really, really want Saliba to come back in. And the problem is, if you're looking at Saliba, you're looking at either him or Ben White playing. Now, if Saliba does come back, um, one of either him or Ben White would be on the bench. I can assure you it's not going to be Ben White. Mm. You don't spend £50 million on a player to put him on the bench. Uh, we're not Chelsea. We can't afford to do that. Uh, well, saying that, we spent £72 million on a player and he's now riding the bench, isn't he? But, uh, <laughs> um, and if, so if Saliba does come back in, you're now talking about Rob Holding being the third choice centre-back for the right side. Hmm. Um, I just don't think, you know, he's going to, is he going to want to stay? I mean, I guess his England prospects are, you know, none and void. He's never going to get into the England squad. I mean, technically he should because how the fuck Harry Maguire and Tyrone Ming start for England, I <laughs> never know. But, um, <laughs> you know, um, he's probably, his England chances are probably gone now. He's probably never going to get a look in. But, I would love to keep him, but I don't want that to get in the way of Saliba kind of trying to get into the squad. So if you're looking at it and you're happy, if you're happy to be a third choice centre-back um, for that position, then I kind of want him to move on to be better for himself. And he can go to probably half the leagues, half the teams in the league mm. easily, easily get into half the teams in the league. So it's if an offer came in for him that was decent, I would sell him. But I just think that the English, the fact that he's English, is really gonna uh, play a lot, play the part a lot, whether we sell him or not, because we we really do need English players because we on our books we don't have many. No, it's who comes through from uh, the academy and hits 21, isn't it, that we've really got. Yeah. So I think Dempsey has put in our chat that Martinelli and I think Saliba would count as homegrown in one competition, but not the other. I can't remember which one it is. Uh, I think he's declared homegrown in Europe and not in 
um, the Premier League because he hasn't been with us long enough um, or he joined us too late. But Smith Rowe's there. Saka won't be classified as homegrown until he turns 21. And what, he's still a teenager, isn't he? Saka? 20. Oh, he's 20. There we go. Um, he just looks younger and younger. Nobody changing knows. though, Josh. Uh, that's the problem. Every year, these fuckers yeah. all have birthdays. I've and no, have to try and I've update noticed. all these numbers. It's yeah. ridiculous. It may be a lot easier if they're all born on the 29th of February. Then we'd only have to worry about this every four years. Yeah, but that'd be even worse, wouldn't it? Because then we'd think, oh, well, this guy's still... Oh, he's less than 30, and it turns out he's actually 34, and he's uh, like Carnu with his uh, dodgy oh. passports. Or should, should say, our technical director with his dodgy passports. Is probably a oh, better yeah. and more true and a less liable statement. Um, because do yes. not sue me, Mr. Carnu. I really like you. You did excellent things for Arsenal, and you are underrated as an Arsenal legend. It was uh, um, it was very good. Also, we've only got one centre back in the under twenty threes. Um, I think it's Omar Rekic, the Tunisian mm. kid. He's only eighteen, or possibly I think he is. I think he's eighteen. He and went to Afcon as well. It did. Yeah, we had a couple of sub games, and uh, to think that next season, Carl was saying let holding go because we got the other three. I think next season we're going to need all four. Mm. I think we need I, four uh, centre backs. Forget about Pablo Marie as well, who is currently oh, on um, sabbatical Udinese. in Udinese. <laughs> <laughs> That's how hey, what's, all, that, uh, what's that uh, tour people used to go and do in the in this in the seventeenth century? Where they go, they bugger off to Europe for a year. Is that a Erasmus? grand tour? Was it called? They used to go and do all the arty stuff. I think it was called the Grand Tour. And, uh, yeah, he's currently doing his Grand Tour of Europe and he'll be back in a year, older and wiser. And and for six months, and he'll talk about his gap year. About how gap year. <laughs> do you think we need to buy another left-footed centre-back? If Pablo um, Marie stays, then I don't think we do. There's one thing that's become interesting to me is that when Gabriel was out, Rather than Mar- uh, Pablo Marie starting, Holding went to right centre-back and Ben White went to the left side. Um, or no, sorry, Holding went back to left side, left side centre-back. So Because that's where he naturally came up when he was playing with England and when he started playing at Arsenal, he was the left-sided centre-back. And for England under-21s, it was Callum Chambers or, oh God, who was the guy who was at Sun- uh, Swansea then? Um, well, for Arsenal. No, um, for English centre back, uh, I think it was Gibson. I think it was the one at Swansea. Then he went to Burnley, I think, and then oh, I can't remember. Um, anyway, there was an English centre back used to play next to him. Um, but yeah, uh, Holding would always be the uh, the left sided centre back for there. Uh, as Stan the Man has just pointed out, uh, Austin Trusty, our uh, big signing. Oh, uh, well are two big signings in January. Massive, um, massive, massive signing is a lefty. Um, so there is a potential that he could be uh, an option. I think it depends on, yeah, our youth players. I would expect um, players like Ballard um, and other centre-backs we've got out on loan to continue their youth um, journey. I would have a look at Ben White's career. Have a look at the loan deals he went through. So when Brighton first brought him in, yeah, uh, before that, he started, he went League Two, League One. Peterborough. Yeah, so he went Newport County, Peterborough, Leeds, then played the season at Brighton in the Premier League, then went to Arsenal. 
and I imagine we're going to do a similar route with our uh, our youngsters. So Balogun going in at championship level. If we can get another, if we get two strikers in the summer, I expect him to be getting either a full season in the championship or a full season at a lower of the league Premier League team. Um, but what do you think, Danny? I forgot what the question was. I was just agreeing with you. What was the point? Um, it was what? the left side. Do we need to buy another left no. foot? No, I, I don't believe in any of that. If we need someone left side who can play centre back, then Tommy Ashley, like someone said in, in the chat, um, Avon said Tommy Ashley plays a left centre back for, for Japan. Tierney plays left centre back for Scotland. We've got more than enough adaptability. And I don't believe in that hole. I mean, you look at our best our best ever defenders we didn't have one left foot at the left side and the right foot at the right side did we i can't remember but i'm sure steve bold was tony adams left-footed i think no. adams was it's adams a was he well, was wasn't he? yeah when know. he scored that goal against seven that's the only reason i remember him being left-footed <laughs> but i don't think you need to have um left-footed on the left and right on the right i think that's a little that's come over from um it's Arteta an Arteta thing, playing yeah. Yeah, when he's playing championship manager. It's all well and good on there because you can train them for the other foot. But in real life, Mikel, as you're finding out, championship manager isn't real life. <laughs> really, we do, uh, didn't you? You'd want, you'd wanted, and championship manager, you'd never have a left winger with left footed, on right footed left winger, would you? You'd go, that's crazy. That's not going to work. The, 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 the data is going to be all wrong on that lot, but you do it in the Premier League. And you go, well, yeah, I'm not having any I, of that. I will highlight um, old uh, Terry Tibbs. In the uh, chat box, he's after your ladder. Oh, I think so. Um, we've got uh, Benoit Badashil, he is currently at Monaco. Um, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily look at uh, people in the Farmers League, centre backs. Um, he says, knowing full well that we've got a centre back currently playing in uh, Ligue 1 in our books, um, or Lloyd Kelly from Bournemouth. I think there are some interesting ones. I wouldn't necessarily think Lloyd Kelly is one I'd look at right now, but you kind of get my progression of what I'm looking at. Um, there's some interesting players out there um, that we could certainly look at, but I don't think it's top of our agenda. I think we'd all rather um, look at maybe some midfielders or um, other positions first. Probably striker. Yeah, because Carl's just about to interrupt me with Yes, yeah, uh, I think that's most definitely top of our, our, our list next season because there's a possibility we would have no strikers. I mean, Balogun is mm. looking to be our only striker and, like I said, Pepe can play there. Just a quick question to both of you. Um, we talk about the substitutions against Wolves. Would you have put on Pepe instead of Eddie Nketiah? Because I looked at uh, that and I was like, I would have brought on Pepe rather than Eddie and Ketia because I don't know why Arteta is literally trying to play him. I don't. I don't get it. Now Arteta must know. Can, so, but I, I would completely disagree with playing Nicolas Pepe in that situation because what we needed at that time was work rate at the top, and you don't get that from Nicolas Pepe. You do not get press those centre backs if they've got the ball as much as Enketia is going to leave and we will get compensation for him, I think we'll get more money in the summer than we would have got from any team in the Premier League in January or last summer for acquiring his services um, than well, Eddie's, if we wait. He's a youth Eddie product. is a youth player and he'll leave. Um, having been a youth product, so we'll get compensation. The last compensation deal was Danny Ings 
Um, and that was 2016 when he went from Burnley to Liverpool and they had to pay 16 million in compensation. Maybe that so, is the plan long term. Yeah. So long term is you either get him to sign the thing or just let him move on. But yeah, I didn't see Pepe as being that option for us. I think work rate was more important to us than having a guy who in theory we could play a long ball to and he might hold it up to bring the team up. Um, I mean, fundamentally, we could see that we were solid at the back. Um, it was just a case of keeping our heads. But um, I was not too worried about the fact that Pepe didn't come in over Eddie. You could see what Arteta was trying to do. He was trying to bring legs into that team. And I don't think you get that performance or that style out of Pepe, especially when we've only got 10, 10 men. Got a little bit here on the um, the uh, Danny Ings thing. On the 28th of, uh, just so people have got some idea what you're on about, on the 8th of June 2015, Liverpool announced they had agreed personal terms with Ings subject to medical, medical as well as a dev- developmental fee for Burn- to, due to Burnley for players under 24 to be negotiated between the two clubs determined by a tribunal, which is what's going to happen with Eddie. Under the tribunal fee would be decided by the PEF, Professional Football Compensation Committee. That's a made-up thing. That's a quango. Uh, in April 2016, the saga was finally settled. Liverpool would pay Burnley a fee, an initial fee of 6.5 million up front, with an extra 1.5 million player performance bonuses. Burnley later gained an additional 3.6 million due to the sell-on clause. So they got 18 in total for him. Mm-hmm. It's very rare that it happens nowadays, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's very rare that those things go across, but. It's going to be a situation here. And I know there's the chance of, oh, if Eddie goes abroad, then, oh, we've lost all the money. Well, to be fair, I don't actually care if Eddie... (laughs) He doesn't know where abroad is. Yeah, it's one of those, how often would you see Eddie going there? I think we've probably had... He's had options for maybe going somewhere like Germany. I think that's the one you always look at for young English players. They love to snap them up from there. But I think he still wants to play in the Premier League. And so... That'll be the option. I think there's a case for Newcastle. There's always going to be a case for Newcastle for what they do. They don't have a problem with anything close to what that compensation fee will be. Um, and they'll be out for a striker. So she's a young one. Even higher, to be honest. Yeah, uh, there could be Southampton. Well, Newcastle could, could be challenging for Europe. Um, but I think he would definitely find an opportunity within um, within the Premier League if he fancied it. Um yeah, if he goes to Celtic, then fair play to him. <laughs> if he goes to Celtic, uh, Demsic, then uh, we'll all have egg on our face as he then scores 400 goals against Midlothian and Hearts. Um, yeah, there, there'll be plenty of suitors, I think, Freddie and Ketter within the Premier League, and they'll have to. They'll, they will gamble, basically, on what that will be. And if he's a success, then and we've got a sell-on clause, then great, we'll get even more money. So there will definitely be some teams out there. I know Brighton were interested in him in January, as were Palace. So I think there's definitely teams out there that will try and sweeten him up uh, and get him over there. Um, but we should talk about the preview for Brentford as well. And one thing I wanted to do is go back, I know, all the way to that horrible time, the first game of the season, where we lost 3-0. Uh, 
against Brentford. And what I wanted to do, Carl, is do a little quiz with you because I was listening to um, the Tuesday Club and they always do quizzes and they always sound fun and not forced. Um, it doesn't so- amaze you how thick, apart from Theo, Theo and Alan, the rest of them are th- pig shit thick when it comes to anything Arsenal related. They oh, just I'm randomly surprised. shout out names. I was surprised half of them even support Arsenal are not just scrolling through Wikipedia, just going, oh, that sounds like an Arsenal player or a random name generator. It's ridiculous um, how bad they are. Anyway, uh, Carl, of our starting 11 on that day, how many do you think start for us in the Brentford game? Oh, uh, right. Saka didn't start. Because he was still on his sabbatical from England, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say he came off the bench. Okay, so Saka will start. He'll start, but I'd say I've talked to the starting eleven. So Saka came off the bench, so he doesn't count. All right. Um, we didn't have... Um, so we didn't have our goalkeeper Ramsdale then. We didn't have Tommy Yasu. We didn't have, Ben White was out of COVID. No, Ben White started. No, Ben White played. Ben White played. Yeah. So that's why um, who did Gabriel didn't play? I'm sure Gabriel wasn't there. He was at the Olympics, or yeah, no, he so was Gabriel. injured because of the Olympics. So Gabriel didn't start. We had um, Tier- Pablo. Pablo no. Yeah, Pablo Marie played centre back with Ben White. KT was at left back. Yeah. Uh, you want to guess our right back? Uh God, I want to say maybe he's not at the, No, he's not at the club anymore, um, but he's still in England. Oh, Chambers. Chambers. Chambers started right back. So two of our starting 11 right now. Um, um, so in midfield. Back. Yeah. Did Jacques Granite play? Mm-hmm. Captain. So Granite played. Um, we had a debut. I want to say, say Partey was injured. Oh, of course he was. <laughs> there was a why in the day of the week. <laughs> so Partey was injured. So obviously we played um, Sambi. Yep. Um, so Sambi's not going to start. Smith Rowe started? Smith Rowe started. He's probably yep. our starter based on one of the other players being suspended. Yes, Martinelli. Yeah. Because he... Everyone, yes, that's right, because we had our two strikers out and everyone was talking about mm-hmm. um, Balogun, because Balogun started, didn't he? Balogun played yep. up front. So, two? <laughs> so what's and that? then one more, one more player. Yes, we've got uh, the three players. So right now I've got Kieran Tierney, Ben White, uh, Smith Rowe and Granite Jacker. So it's four players. And there's still one more player to get. And I will give you no spoiler by saying he doesn't start for us. He walked oh, our Pepe. bench. Pepe. Hmm. Um, Jesus Christ. So we yeah. really get yeah, so our starting hard. 11. Do you want even better? Let me just quickly run through the bench. Carl Hine, who is currently at Peterborough United, I want to say. Um, Hector Bellerin, now at um, Real Betis. Rob Holding, with brand new hair. I think at that point it was just a um, slicked back thicket. Um Cedric was there. Nuno Tavares made his debut in the 81th minute. 81st minute, not 81th. Oh, my God. I think I've just had a little mini stroke. Um, Bukayo Saka 
came on in the 59th minute. Uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, Conservative, uh, who is now at Roma, was there. Mohamed Elneny, who has just come back from um, dealing with Mo Salah crying because he spent all season not passing to one of his teammates. One of his teammates told him to fuck off and scored a winning penalty against him. Mm -hmm. Um, And then finally is Feyenoord's Reese Nelson came off the bench in the 71st minute. So yeah, um, you could say we've changed a bit since that game. Just Um, just a tad. I mean, that game should never have gone ahead. But obviously... You know, it didn't matter because it was Arsenal. And then obviously when we yep. called off the game against that lot of the road, oh, well, controversy because we had this pair alone. You should have called them back, even though Burnley had like five games called off and no one said anything. Um, listen, that game should be a win. We're at home. Brentford, you know, they started off high, but they're slowly slipping down the table, aren't they? Um, but this is Arsenal, unfortunately. <laughs> so you never know what you, you what you get, but no, this game should definitely be a win. Especially if we have Tommy Asu, uh, I believe he's training because you see him in training pictures running. Whether he will start, we we won't know. But um, there's definitely uh, we have our close to full strength squad, barring any injuries that we don't know about, and especially we'll have more of. I like, like I said, to, Danny was saying as well. Like, it's good that we have this rest period, but I think we need games now. I think I don't want to be ring rusty, as they say, and I, and I do think that we should have enough about us because I believe um, who's the striker again? Um, is Ivan still, Tony has come. Is he still might he's make it back? Might make it back. Um, we have a question from Demsick as well. Um, about what we think about Ivan Tony as well, um, that Danny is just highlighting. Um, yeah, so I think I'll ask Danny that because he looks suitably bored and um, he did work up a little bit when you spoke about rusty, rusty rings, and uh, you can certainly <laughs> attest to that. I'm ill, I've got stomachache, um, I feel very sick. Uh, I like Ivan Tony, been a um, a, a posh supporter, the mighty Peterborough United. He was there and he was, he was magnificent for them. And he's a really, but he started the season off with, uh, with, with much gay abandon and goals. And it seems to have worn off a little bit. And I think he's realized that the trudgery of being a mid to lower table team with Brentford, it's not always going to be sunshine and opal fruits. And I think that's slow, and starting to occur to him that you had a magnificent season with Brentford getting promoted. Did, was he with Brentford when they got promoted last season? He was indeed. Yeah, yeah so yeah. I thought top goal, near the top goal scorer. He was, and it was, and then when you have that kind of form, and then you bring it to the Premier League, and then your first game at home, opening game of the season, live on TV, first time the stadium has got um, all the home fans there in their new stadium. It's all really downhill from there, isn't it? We've seen it so often with um, teams that get um, newly promoted, and then once they get safe. It's like when you've been with your missus for 20 years, you just don't bother anymore, and it's just just sailing it through to death. And so I like him, but I don't think he is all that's cracked up to be because to have a good start to the season is easy, but to continue that form throughout the rest of the season, um, I think he struggled quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And plus then you've, you're a, you are a new player to the league, and then people aren't sure what you're going to do. But then after two or three games, then the opposition teams will get scouting reports on you. They'll know your game. 
and then you'll be found out, which is why so many times you'll see a striker having a really good first season in the Premier League, and after that, they're, they're going, well, hold on, you got 20 goals last season, why have you got three this season? You get found out, yeah. didn't you? I think there's, um, yeah, I've got his statistics up at the moment, so he has 21 matches for Brentford in the league, and he's got six goals. Last season in the Championship, he got... Uh, in 48 games, he scored 33 goals, which is fairly impressive. I believe really? that was a championship record at the time. However, um, Alexander Mitrovic has just eclipsed that and he's still got 16 games left to play. Um, so, and if anybody has seen Mitrovic play in the Premier League, you will know full well that championship goals do not necessarily translate to Premier League goals. Yeah, the, um, the conversion so rate is about I six think, to one. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's something just to bear in mind. I think if we were to look at Ivan Tony, it wouldn't be as our starting striker. I was just going to um, ask that question: that yeah. would you, if you could get him for under fifteen mil, Danny and Josh, would you take him? Uh, I would, but there's another striker I'd go after sooner from a lower league, lower of the league team, and that would be Dennis because they only paid three million. He's, he's nippy and he's a player he's that gives us, he gives us options as well in terms yeah. of can play on the wing um yeah it's similar to a some of some arsenal fans kind of feigning over ollie watkins another um player from the efl another ex uh brentford player as well um he he's got that kind of similar outlet and i wonder if um Watford would push too hard when they know how much of a profit they'd make on him irrespective. And they're going um, down. And, and if they go down, they're going down and they've given Roy Hodgson the wheel. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was going to say, like, could you, what price do you think we could prize him out for, Danny? Like, if Watford do go down, like, if we come in with a £15 million bid? I mean, the, 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 um, the Pozzos are all, they're not what they're lovely fellows. And mental cases, and um, they are not. They know their football. I mean, they were there in the Granada. I think they're Udinese. Mm-hmm. I think they're the, the triangle: Watford, Udinese, Granada. You go and have a look at the number of players. There's literally. I hate using that word unless it means literally. There's literally fifty or sixty players that have gone between those three clubs in the last few years. They abused the loan system so much in the Championship, didn't they, Josh? They had to change the rules on it. Yep, uh, it was Ian Holloway that got most annoyed about that because I think he almost had a starting eleven of lone players. Mm. Uh, Watford did at one point, but you know who we've just done a favour for, for the Pozzo family? What's that? Well, we've got a player at one of Pozzo's teams that we've just loaned them, old Pablo Marie on his Grand Tour or Erasmus, however we want yes. to describe it, on his gap yard. I think um, we should get 20, 25 million if we wanted, but I don't I think would, we're going to go for him. I would him. imagine if we went for Dennis, it would, or anybody tries to get Dennis out of that club. And if I was looking after a team in the northeast of England who play in black and white, that's <laughs> where I'd be going. Um, 25 million is probably the yeah. fee I would start at to try and get him out of there. Um, but, but if I they don't get relegated, option. more. Yeah, if they don't get relegated, there's no chance um, mm. we'd get him. But if they do, there's a chance you can go in and get him. Um, and for me, he's be, he'd be an option that I'd look at for our second choice striker, somebody to with a similar but different style and can also complement someone like an Isak or a um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. 
So we can mix um, it up a bit, not just do the same yeah, attacking play yeah. all the time. I don't think we will be signing a second-choice striker from a Premier League team for something, like, or even a Championship team for less than £20 million. I don't think it would happen. Arsenal come knocking on the door. Yes, we've got our different knock. And that knock says, we don't sell players. <laughs> There's <laughs> been Dave on calling. <laughs> it says... Well, if you think that's a different knock, what's Newcastle's knock? Like add an extra zero onto it because no, they're just back what... tanking. They're back at <laughs> okay, uh, one of those Brinks mat lorries. They bank back one of those and open up the doors and just start shoveling doubloons out. <laughs> say say <No>. when, because <laughs> no matter what player they buy, it, the price is going to be inflated, isn't it? Unless they've got a, a, a clause release. Because they care. They've got more money. Yeah. They got more money than all the Premier Leagues put together, and times by about ten. <laughs> it's ridiculous, Alan. They've got two or three hundred billion. So what you're saying? We should yeah. sell them Leno for thirty million, even though it's got one year left in his contract. Yeah, so all the players they bought in this January transfer window don't expect them to be there in the summer. They'll be yeah. they'll be in and out of there, like like John at a holiday camp with with the the, the ladies coming in and out of that room. There'll be a conveyor belt. Of fresh meat in and out of that club. Yeah, it's been a while since we've had a John and sexual reference, hasn't it? It has. Um, I think it's because he's not always here. I don't know where he is. Nobody knows. Uh, Somewhere around between Essex and the Midlands. Yeah. Um, uh, What I was just going to do is go. So, predictions for the game. Um, Danny, do you have a score prediction? I think I can, you can be quite charitable with this and, and be quite happy with the fact that they're, they're not a great away team. They've scored eight and conceded 18. We're at home. I think wow. we've we've scored 23 and conceded 11. Some some lines along that. So that means it's going to be about three goal, three one, three nil, something like that. There's, there's almost no way we're going to lose this. I mean, I know Arteta is, is a bit of an idiot at times, but this is, is as at home... We are quite a formidable team. And Brentford, are with their manager, who I really like, are a team that like to play football. And we found out in the past, teams that like to play football, we tend to do better against. They're not going to come there and go full Burnley, are they? No, I wouldn't expect them to do that. Um, Carl, what do you think for the for the game? Um, I'm not as optimistic as Danny is. I think a 1-0. We have a striker who cannot put the ball in the back of the net. He scored three goals all season. Uh, Lacazette is not a goal scorer. He's, he's not. And well, no, his position doesn't allow him to. He's score lost goals. his mojo. I mean, I mean, we could we didn't we glossed over the um, miss against Wolves. That was certainly a position to score goals. Score a goal. Let's not uh, say he's not getting in the position. To no, it's not the position, chances. but he's just not, he's just not converting yeah. them. Like. Yeah, he's lost his mojo, hasn't he? He's one of those. He needs one to go in off his ass or. To be honest, probably actually get one of those, you know, kind of finesse shots in, and then he's like, "Cool, got my iron again." Sorry, again. Yeah, it's it's worrying. It is a bit worrying. We don't have Martinelli, you know, um, he would just run all over the pitch. So I think we're going to be a bit more conservative with this. So I'm going to go for I'm going to go for one nil. I think um, hopefully a Gabriel bullet header or Lacazette, Lacazette. Um, lovely in between two players, slot in between the goalkeeper's legs, something along them lines. But yeah, I think goal scoring for us is going to be a, an issue between now and the end of this season. 
but hopefully we can, you know, nick the odd game one nil, two nil, and that's what we need. Yeah, um, I I think it's going to be two nil. Um, we have got goal scorers in the team. They aren't necessarily our striker. Um, people were talking about Smith Rowe being an option there. I think he's our top goal scorer with eight goals in the league at the moment. So him coming back into the side gives us a bit of threat. I think there's a lot to see from Odegaard um, in terms of his goal scoring output. And uh, I have flagged Pepe to be giving us an option. I think if we continue or at least um, try and have 11 men on the pitch for 90 minutes, then I think we Go can... Go on, lad, uh, you can do it. Come on. Yeah, I, exactly. Then I think Pepe will get his chance off the bench, you know, and Saka tyres. It's these kind of games that we may need a bit of magic from Pepe from about 30 yards. Um, and just quickly to Sam Fisher, uh, it's too late for me, mate. Uh, I haven't got the money of Rob Holding. Um, has got... Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go with 2-0 uh, on that regard. And Danny, do we have any questions as well from listeners we do. I other than I the one asked. from sam which i have uh, eloquently <laughs> responded to i am um, i haven't asked on twitter because we've got thirty-one thousand followers on twitter and we usually get two or three replies it's usually um matt who always gives us a couple of questions and then that's it because uh i mean we've actually been offered stuff to give away at the moment we've got three lots of people that want to do twitter competitions to give stuff away we get nothing out of it that's the first thing I say. We don't want anything out of it. Just give our listeners and our Twitter followers something to it. And you know what? They don't do it. We had stuff before and they just cannot be fucking bothered. Maybe we should just say what well, we do it on our podcast. Yeah, we get about two, three maybe, thousand. Maybe we should say is we want something out of it and then they do it. Um, you could win, Josh. You could put on a, a fake beard and a pair of glasses and a wig and then go, oh, this um, not Josh in, in Brighton one. <laughs> yeah, we'll just go... Uh, it'll be like all the women at Stonings in Life of Brian. It'll be just Any hey, really ladies here? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> exactly. Don't watch that, people. I think Nick's. Yeah, I, I think Nick's uh, right. Maybe we shouldn't predict the goal scorer. Predict <laughs> on what minute Le Jacques is going to get uh, his yellow card in. He's not going to do that anymore. We've we've learned. Yeah. Right, questions, Carl. Um, Richard from the over and over and over again Arsenal podcast. If you like ladies football. If you like any type of football, especially the ladies, does watch along every week, every game, and getting big numbers on there, getting more views than we're getting. Um, is the lack of goals going to be the thing that costs us top four, Carl? Potentially. Um, I think we've got quite a solid defence. I think our goalkeeper and our back four is definitely improved over the years. And I think this season is probably our best back five that we've had in a, a very long while. I honestly do think that the lack of goals from Lacazette is a little bit of a worry. But like Josh said, we just need one, maybe one to go in for him, his bum or him to get like a lucky deflection and score. And, you know, it will be that. But I'm a little bit concerned about a goal score. And I am, I mean, like Josh said again, like we have got players that can get us goals. It's just whether they can do it or not. And the focal point, the striker, you know, it's now February and he's got three B goals to his name. That's not good enough. The backup striker in, in, in Ketia has not scored a league goal this season. Yes, most of his games has come off the bench, but nothing he has. What game can you say that he's come off the bench and influenced in the league? None. All these goals are coming in the League Cup 
um, against lower league opposition. So I don't hold much hope for him either. Um, I don't think it's going to be a thing that costs us top four. I think the only thing that's going to cost Arsenal top four is Arsenal because we are in a very good position right now. Um, game in hands FC, you know, they were crying about um, having games in hand. They had three games in hand and they were seventh. They've now played all their games in hand and they're now eighth. Like, it's just <laughs> very weird. So, you know, it's... Um, I mean, Arsenal are the own, Arsenal are Arsenal's own worst enemy. But I'm even hope that, you know, um, Lacazette will find his goal scoring touch again. And even if he gets... He's got three league goals now. If he can get 10 between now and the end of the season... I'd be very happy. I think we'd all be delighted. We'd probably give him a new contract if we got 10 <laughs> goals for the rest of the season because he matches all-time high uh, in league goals. Uh, yeah. Right, now I'll answer this next question from Musa. Is the 1919 decision an issue that refs and other clubs have such a dislike towards Arsenal because many people love raising that subject? Uh, the gist of that is in 1919 they expanded the size of the first division and so they wanted an extra team to go up from the second division you had the three go up as normal spurs finished above arsenal but arsenal got um up there because uh there was a, a decision by the um the other teams in the league i think and they said there was bribery there's no bribery going on um behind it plus back then they wanted another london club to go in the top league and as we all know um middlesex wasn't in london at that time so they were a middlesex team and so the answer to that is no. Uh, question for you, um, and he said Nick, Josh from Nick. Question, why does Stan Kroenke get so much grief? What exactly has he done so wrong since he took full control after buying Usmanov shares in 2018? It is it he's not an Abramovich or Sheikh Mansour type of character? I think there's certainly a case of xenophobia. I'd go out and say that's partly it. But then there's also um, the research of people who have done on the uh, f other sports franchises that uh, the Cronkies have owned um, and how they necessarily haven't seen the performances uh, or results that you'd want to see. Um, I think that has certainly changed in the last two or three years. Uh, the Rams have made two Super Bowls and won one of them. Uh, Denver Nuggets are doing really well now. Um, the Avalanche, I think, are doing pretty well. I'm trying to think of the other team they've got. Uh, Colorado Rapids, not necessarily doing that well in MLS. Um, but, you know, they're now Arsenal's feeder team. So mm. all things are going up for them. So I think that's um, partly it. Um, the fact that they're not necessarily an Arsenal fan has annoyed I think a lot of people in the lack of presence that we saw from them during the, shall we say, more silent era when they were purely kind of only owning a little bit of those shares um, rather than having uh, entire control of the club with 100% ownership. Because you can see since they took full control of the club, I don't think there would be many people who would be moaning about their tenure right now from what we've seen i think they've made a lot of good decisions in their time some of the bad decisions they have rectified with good decisions so for example sacking wenger was good hiring emery necessarily wasn't good um getting in rounds ralsanyehi on um you know looked initially as a good decision 
it was a correct decision to get rid of him after it turned out that he he enjoyed um how can i say this without libeling the podcast too much um brown envelopes and briefcases full of money um it's probably the way i describe it so yeah i think for every mistake they have made they've rectified it uh and you don't necessarily see that with every owner let's have a look at what usmanov is currently doing with everton as an example of what we could have had um so yeah uh, i think that's mainly the issues behind it and the fact we've not necessarily seen um the reward to them being in charge but i think since 100 percent ownership i don't see there any reason any reasonable reason i should say for people to have a problem with the ksc ownership there you go good answer Right, one. I'll give you a couple now, um, Carl. One from Michael in Sweden. Will Ballard be sent out on loan again next season? Possibly. But I think that he's not going to, depending on if Saliba stays, um, he's not going to get anywhere near the, the squad, unfortunately. But if we make Europe, then you know our squad's going to need to be bigger and it may be the return of the kids in the uh, League Cup. So, but I think for our players to progress, they need to go out and play games. I don't want to send players out on loan like Miguel Aziz and didn't play for Portsmouth, couldn't get a game for some unknown reason. Um, but, you know, when we send players out on loan, but also we need to remember that the rule is changing next season. I believe that you can only send out six players, I believe, next mm. from next season. So we have to be really careful on who we send out on loan. I think we can manipulate that role because I think it's six first team players. I think that's the rule. So I oh, think okay. we can tweak that with youngsters. So uh yeah, we can't necessarily send Maitland Niles, um, and Bellerin and Torreo and Gwenduzi all back out on loan, Saliba all back out on loan. But uh I think we could do something. But for my two pennies on that, I wouldn't be surprised if we uh, if a right offer came in for Ballard, that uh, we sold him rather than loaning him. He's 22 now um, and an international. I think there's an opportunity that maybe we sell him. Uh, if we get good money for him, um, his contract expires at the end of next season and we then put in like a buyback or something now. I mean, we'd have to, wouldn't we? Because it becomes an over 23, depending on when his birthday is. So then he can't play in the under-23s league anyway. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah he's, done, he's done that progression thing that you were talking about, Josh. He's see one season in League 2 with uh, Swindon, only played a, a few games. Then Blackpool in League 1, where he was brilliant. And now he's at 14th place, Millwall in the Championship. So he's in the right path, but I don't think the kid's got a future at Arsenal, sadly. I think he's going to be out the door as soon as an offer comes in, especially when someone like Mavropanos would be closer to the first team and we're getting rid of him. But... A bit, a bit of news on Mavropanos. The they were only allowed to buy him for five million euros if they avoid relegation. They're going down, so we're going to get him back, and then we'll be the ones to sell him for fifteen million. There you go. Another one for you, um, Carl from Stan. Pablo Mari, will he be back at some point? I mean, I think he means permanently. I think he'll be back, but I think we'll sell him straight away. He's not in Arteta's plans. You know, before we sold him, uh, sorry, before we loaned him out, how many games did he play? Four, five, maybe. Because every ten games, we had to pay another two million or something, or a million. <laughs> yeah, Great so deal. He, he's. I think we, um, he 
he's not got a future at Arsenal. It's just depending. He's probably on astronomical wages. I'm assuming he's probably on 80, 90 grand a week. Yeah. Something along them lines. And, you know, no other team is going to play, is going to pay him that sort of money. No other team. So, you know, it's a case of you can go, but we're going to have to part pay some of your wages. Um, but yeah, I think we definitely will be looking to get rid of him next season. Righto. Uh, one for you, Josh. Got three more left. From Mr. Waffles, who will be doing the, the post-game show with me and Stan um, after the Brentford game uh, on Saturday. Mr. Waffles says, do we really want a striker from a team that got relegated? Uh, not necessarily a first choice striker, no. Um, but we we have to fill two positions in striker in the summer, and I think reasonably we could get a first choice striker from a relegated team to play second choice for us, uh, and know that there's not necessarily the need for them to adapt to the league rather than going out and necessarily bringing a youngster in uh, from a another league. Um, there are some really interesting players out there at the moment on the continent for young players who we could probably persuade to be second choice for us. A um, couple in France, especially. And when Chris ever decides to um, rejoin us on the podcast for another one, I'm sure everybody can quiz him on um, striking options for that kind of second choice striker. Um, but I think that there's definitely players uh, from the relegated sides that I think I would happily go through and say, yeah, they could come to Arsenal and do a decent job as a um, yeah, second choice. Oh, thank you, thank you. I agree with that. Avon uh, Teddington Carl says, should we play 1999 by Prince at the stadium if we beat Wolves? It's going to party like it's 1999. I still think calling the gang celebration is, is it's just a shout. I really do because I re- do you know what I just want Arsenal just to be just a shit house. I know they won't because it's Arsenal where the gentleman club, but I really, really want us a shit house. Um, streamers, party poppers, all sorts. Like I'm hoping I, safely, but I hope someone brings in like a flare or something like that, like brings it in and goes off. <laughs> I really would love it. Um, Genuinely, but I, I know Arsenal are not going to be that team. But um, Or just a little tweet from uh, the Arsenal Twitter account and uh, something like, that's how you celebrate. You know, <laughs> so, you know what I mean? So, yeah, but we have to win the game first, don't we? I'll just check. We've got some more questions coming in. It's lovely. Yeah, it's, you uh, my voice is going a bit weird. It's gone a little bit floaty. Yeah, I'm about to, if I pass out, you know how to end the show. Yeah. Uh, Phil Macker, Josh says, uh, is St. Tottingham's Day nailed on? We've they've they've won it five years in a row, and we've won it at about fifty of the other years. So. Yeah, I mean the um, the boat certainly hasn't turned, does it? It's maybe slightly, not even run aground. Uh, the old good ship Arsenal in terms of St. Tottingham's Day. It certainly looks like it's in our own hands, which is the way I like it. Um, yeah, sometimes I like it when it's in Tottenham's hands, uh, and they fuck it up because that's always funny. But I think right now we're in a good position. Um, one of our games in hand, obviously for us now being games in hand FC, is the North London derby. So that's one to look out for. But I think three points there certainly helps us out uh, in our quest to at least get into the top five and ensure that Tottenham Hotspur have another trophyless season um, under a manager who is pulling out all of his, well, 
his new hair as well because he went and had a bit of the Rob Holdings as well. Lovely. Right. Question for you, Carl, from Demsec. I've not proofread this. I hope it's good because I can't be bothered. Um, we have yet to play four teams that could be challenging for the top four and Man United have two. We have Liverpool and Chelsea yet to play and Man United have Liverpool, Chelsea and City. I've had that in the wrong order, but it made sense. Who could finish fourth? Plus, they've got cup games. We don't. I don't know if you've noticed that. We've got no more games. Um, look, I think that top four is on for us. Top three. I said, I said it last time I was on, and I'm going to repeat it. Arsenal could get top three. Highly unlikely, but there's a possibility that you know we could finish third. Right now, we're in the driving seat for fourth. It's in our hands at present. Um, we win our games, we're fourth. This is genuinely as simple as that. Um, but we need to be consistent. We need to make sure that we just take care of our business. Man United are in disarray. There's infighting in the dressing room. Leaks are coming up left, right, and center. Are kind of like with Bundesliga, Bundesliga bastards did it again when Arteta first come. Um, so Man United are in disarray. West Ham, people seem to really forget about West Ham. And West Ham are, you know, they're a shout. They're a team that's playing well. They've someone somehow, I don't understand how, they've got their all their ducks in a row and they're all they're playing really good football. I don't understand how or why. Um apparently Glenn Hoddle seems to think that Declan Rice is the second coming of Gerard. Don't know how he thinks. Don't know. <laughs> Anyone who's just English and has a little bit of form, that's it. They're like the, the world's best players. This is why England never do well in tournaments because they hype players up too much. But um, Hey, we lost the final. We lost the Euros final. That's better. We so, normally lose round of 16 games. We're now losing finals. That's so progress we, for England. But, but we lost, right? It's progress. We won three oh, more okay. games than we normally do. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 but yeah... Um, and so there's Wolves there as well. The dark, I don't think Wolves will get, I'll be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And that up the road, nah, because Harry Kane's still got to have his seven weeks out for his ankle injury, hasn't he? Because every single season, um, either when he's pedded up, allegedly, um, or he, he goes through his uh, ankle injury um, period of time. So that's coming up. So... I think we're going to get fourth. I'll be honest with you. I did. I, at the beginning of the season, I didn't think we was. I genuinely hadn't, didn't think so, but we can do it, can't we? I think so. Can I think do. looking through there, um, you know, we've got to play those teams as well. Uh, we've got to play United. Um, I can't think, I think we've still got to play West Ham, um, who I would probably classify as points on the board FC. Um, same yeah. as they've played... Fourth. Yeah, they've played three end more games March. than us. April, uh, end of April. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that certainly helps us out is we've got to play the teams around us. Uh, and we've shown that, um, yeah, if, we're th- if third's on, I would have a look at, if we get Chelsea on the right day, we can, we can win that game. I think realistically it's a draw. Um, so I think we've got some good fixtures for us. I think what we need is like Chelsea make it through to the latter stages of the Champions League, which they will. Mm. And like we've got to play them and they're going to rest their player or some of their first teamers for 
a European game. That's when we need to catch them. Because, like you said, they're in the FA Cup still, so inevitably, um, that's more games than the Champions League. I know the League Cup's only one game, but they've still got to play a League Cup final. So, I think you're right, Josh. If we do catch them on the right day... Uh, chances are they've we've got to fit a lot of well we've got a lot of space in our fixture calendar and we've got to try and shoehorn three games into teams that are in and around us going through our games in hand are the um liverpool game the chelsea game and the spurs game well i imagine they're going to try and slide the chelsea game into a couple of weeks time because we've both got a blank um game week uh, so I imagine that will be in a few weeks' time. That's smack bang in the middle of Champions League uh, for them. Yeah, Liverpool, that's going to be an interesting game. Depends on what they've got going on. Um, yeah, there's, there's certainly some options that can help us out, I think, in the way that the fixture calendar falls. Um, but, of course, we know what we're like as a fan base. We'll say, have we had too much rest going into these games? Chelsea, you know, they're nice and fresh. They match, match uh, fit because they only played three days ago, um, because we only played two and a half years ago, it seems. Um, yeah, we're not, we're going to be rusty. Right, one final question. Um, this is for all of us, I suppose. Sam Fisher says, question for the panel, do you guys play video games and what's the one game that you loved growing up? I've already thought about this. My one would be on the Amiga, Championship Manager, 93-94. That's the first one I ever played. I played uh, Kevin Tom's Football Manager on the BBC and then the Spectrum back in the mid-80s when I first got a computer. And uh, Sensible Soccer and Kickoff on the Amiga. But Championship Manager was was my jam. Oh. Anyone else? Um, I still play Football Manager. I uh, currently am Arsenal at the moment. I just won a league um, beating West Ham on the last game of the season. Uh, so yeah, I still play it. Growing up, I played FIFA, um, and then FIFA changed. It just got it got really bad playing it. Like this game just changed. I don't play it anymore. Um, but yeah, I that you, Danny. When it was Championship Manager, I played Championship Manager from '98, '99, I think. I think that's oh, the first year. Years. I think that's the first year I started playing it, and. Ever since then, I've had every single one championship manager, then it turned to football manager. Um, so, yeah, that's what I've done. What about you, Josh? Uh, the game I loved growing up would be Crash Bandicoot 3, I would say. <sighs> oh, sorry. That was born in the 90s. So, uh, my games were all going to be PlayStations and things like that. Uh, not some kind of what Pong or uh, <laughs> uh, the, yeah, the game of uh, a little wheel and a little stick that you'd knock along the roads, that kind of thing. Was that the first video game? I don't know. Uh, yeah, Crash Bandicoot is in color, bitch. Deal with it. Um, and yeah, I still play games now. Um, of course, I do. Look at me. Uh, I've got ginger of glasses, I've got a beard. Of course, I play video games. Um, but yeah, I play on the Xbox now instead of Sony. Um, so I've moved to that side. I think right now I'm playing Blood Roots. Um, just a good little game. I would recommend. Call of, Call of Duty as well. I don't play Call of Duty because I'm not a nonce. Um, <laughs> What's that got to do with what? 
Sorry. Um, yeah. First, I got called Gary Glitter in the group. Now you're calling me a cult. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hey, I'm not the one going around calling babies gorgeous. What can I say? <laughs> the troll is cute. Oh, bloody hell. There's, a, there's context to these listeners. Ellis put a picture of his child, and I said in the group, How did Ellis produce such a gorgeous child? Because you've seen Ellis, and Danny should have a little picture of him soon. You've seen Ellis, and we're not going to show you a picture of his child because there could be actual nonsense listening. Um, so, and I said, um, Ellis, your child's cute. And then I get called Gary Glitter in the group. I'm like, What the? F-? I literally was like, What the fuck? <laughs> Where did that come from? Yeah. I think people can tell I'm not ill anymore. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I'm yeah. feeling a lot better. Um, yeah, and it, oh, because you also say, um, talking about games, uh, one of ABW also twitches. He's a big twitcher. Not um, not you, Danny, um, and not, oh, I don't know, I would say Holic. I think he was the one that most liked looking at birds, um, not in a John Welsh one kind of way. He's a different kind of twitcher. Um, is Nick, our Nick, um, he's on the Twitch. I think, is he a, is it at do you at people on Twitch? Go on, now I sound old. Um, yeah, he's at Nick Fights. Um, go watch him do streaming. Um, yeah, I don't know what he's streaming right now. Um, maybe Four Point Hospital. Um, yeah, Danny's dropped the links in there. Two Point. No, it's got to be a sequel now, isn't it? It's got to be Four Point by now. Uh, the next one is um, uh, Two Point Campus, the Dana oh. School uh, University one, which oh. is just going to be out in the. God, my voice is, that, is sounding is a, very sexy um, at the moment. Is that like a Call of Duty crossover? Yeah, no. <laughs> it's going to oh, be good, sorry. though. Before I get cancelled, I should probably finish a session <laughs> or wrap it up. Because uh, I will say something at some point. It's getting that point in the evening. It's like I need the toilet. Jock isn't uh, happy. Jock isn't happy. Um, the Jockometer. Um, and I think I think Stokes is in, the, in there as well. I mean, I've got Jock's picture up. Oh yeah, he, he's not that happy. Happy to put a little bit of bit of Stokes in there to um. Oh hello. <laughs> Could you have found a picture of Stokes where he didn't look like um, Beaker from the Muppets? Nope, that was it. Is that <laughs> one the worst? The worst one is this one of Simon when he's doing November. Mm. Uh, I think we all look um, not great from our November pictures. If you go through and find those from when uh, you Ellis Shredder and I did November. And for the entirety, I took every single photo naked. I hope people were aware of that. Um, you didn't get to see it, but I knew that I was naked in every single picture. Um, apart from one, because I was out and I'd forgotten to take my picture and I'd already got dressed. Um, but anyway, I think that's an opportune time to wrap up. Um, Danny, do you have any shout outs? Any gentlemen's nods? Any um, other kind of euphemism for saying hello to somebody? don't think so okay cool i don't feel um, well shout out to danny's plumber um it's gonna be an easy month for him <laughs> thank you uh carl any shout outs for you uh i'm just going to scroll down my phone and i am going to bobby chakrabuti uh always interact with him oh, on, yes always interact with him on twitter and Ladies and gentlemen, this is not football related, but if you want to have a laugh, please go to my timeline and see one of my latest tweets. Like Twitter today has been, <laughs> I can only laugh. Some girl found out that her best friend sleeping with her dad 
and the flipping the the story that goes of it has absolutely had me in stitches that like, literally had me in stitches so yeah if you You're want something lighthearted shut Thank up you. danny <laughs> oh dear everyone's getting cranky um i'd like to shout out um at nadia is uh ava five nine three two on instagram who has just told me that i've won an iphone iphone 13 if i click this link um Ooh. so Ooh. yeah i can't wait to find out what virus i've got from i that. wouldn't click it it's, it's apple it's <laughs> stuff for nonces oh, oh yeah oh you've got me back on that one great um right so danny i was gonna say um can you turn this off but actually i can do it can't i oh um, but i will say thank you to the listeners first and say it's a pleasure that you've been here uh if whichever device you're on you give us a little like a little five star review a little one star review who knows just interact with us i'm sure it helps the algorithms uh and if all 43 of you can uh hit the like button on the way out that would be excellent um if you don't danny will be round and he will block your toilet um that's all yes. i can say and if anybody needs a stool sample, hit me up on Twitter. I've got plenty. Yeah, uh, I'm sure you can get it from the splash zone right now. Um, as it just It's falls a different out. knock. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly a different knock. Uh, and I think that should be the title of the podcast. Um, thanks, everybody. And we will be back. Where are we back? Who's doing the preview? Oh, it's Crystal Lodato, Brentford. Um, and it will be what? Before the game, so about two o'clock. It's a game, isn't it? Yeah. Three o'clock fixture. Um, I can't It's going to be about quarter to, quarter to two. So it gives me enough time to get on with it and uh, get it up. And then the post game is with that man there, Mr. Waffles and Stan, who was in there earlier. Yeah. Uh, and just a question for Mr. Waffles um, Is he on only flans? And on that, I will leave you. Good night. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog. <laughs>